Hello. And welcome to the inaugural Absolute Worldy podcast. I'm Joel. I'm Kyle. And this podcast will be providing you with a perspective on the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia, which you may not have otherwise considered. This podcast is not just for the armchair pundits, Joel. It's not, Carl, It is for them, but it's also for the people that are being dragged, kicking and screaming to the pub, night after night in June and July, thinking, wishing desperately they could be talking about something, anything else apart from the actual specifics of the game they are watching. Indeed, it is for them. Uh, It is also, Kyle, let's be honest, the Absolute Wealthy podcast, geared towards one man in particular... Putin. Vladimir. Vladimir Putin. Vlad. Yeah, we think there's some things that Vlad needs to know about the nations that are about to arrive on his shores for this World Cup. And and these facts that we're going to be providing you with are slightly aimed towards him. It doesn't really bode well for my ego that I just assume he's going to listen to this podcast, does it? (laughs) Well, not actively, but there must be a chat box and it kicks off every time someone somewhere in the world mentions the word Putin it's possible yeah there's a big red phone on his desk yeah. it's going to ring it's going to be someone saying uh, sir you're not going to like this there's these two lads in London <laughs> these pricks in London <laughs> oh dear alright well so that being said Carl I think if we're going to preview all the uh, uh, teams in the groups we should be starting off with Russia well hold on just a minute there Joel don't let's not get hasty. Okay, sorry, I was. Sorry. I feel like we should, uh, for the listeners, we should define the structure of this podcast. There's a structure. Oh yeah. So we've split it down <laughs> into different segments for each team in yes. each group. Oh yes, we have. And done what that. that will do is it will just give people a nice little grabbing points. I think it's going to work really nicely. The first point in each for each team will be Putin's Pravda point. Wow. Putin's Pravda point. Should I take what that means? I mean, it sounds sort of like Soviet-era propaganda, but go for no, it. No, we're just... We're, we're theming everything Russian, guys. That you'll, you'll, you'll like it. Um, the Putin Pravda point... Pravda was a newspaper. Uh, is like a newsworthy... Let's say you're in the pub, you're with your friends, they're all watching the game, completely sucked into the action. You don't like football. It's boring. It's nil-nil. You don't care about the tension. You don't care about any of it. But you do know... This little point of trivia or fact that's just going to blow everyone away if only they were listening to you. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, we're going to give you loads of those. Loads of those. And so sometimes you'll use them to impress people. Sometimes you'll use them to annoy. We'll leave that up to you. And frankly, we're not quite sure which is which. So, you know. What about the next one, John? Uh, The next one is, of course, Russian roulette. Keeping with the theme. Um, So, uh... For those people who don't necessarily follow football that much, after every single European Championship and World Cup, certain players tend to sign for Premier League or other major European League teams on the basis of, frankly, two or three good performances. Um, I did want to call this the Poborski section, uh, in case anyone remembers Carroll from 1996, who signed for Manchester United after the European Championships and was frankly dreadful. It's so, unfair to pick on Carroll. It is He's one of many. He is one of many. And therefore we've called it Russian Roulette, Russian which is roulette. a game where you put a bullet in a gun and you keep shooting until you get to the, uh, the chamber that has the bullet. Just in. in case you didn't know what Russian Roulette was. I tend to think of... I don't think I remembered. I thought it was like a casino thing. <laughs> it's not. No. It's death game. What's the next category, Kyle? It's called Hot to Trotsky. I mean, self-explanatory, right? If you know who Trotsky is, or if you have heard of the saying Hot to Trot, which I don't think everyone has. No. I don't even think I've ever used it. No, but it's great. I. Hot to Trotsky is a real... This is really for Putin, really, just to be like, well, look, mate, we know that you're a really big masculine guy. Let's all go ride horses with our tops off. Well, not everyone, just you. 
that's fine. But some of us like to appreciate maybe the more beautiful side to a man. And there are some, quite frankly, some stunners in this tournament. There are stunners to be found. And we're going to find one in each team and we're going to tell you about them so you can find them for yourself. For example, I was watching the Champions League final. Yeah. Uh, right at the end, my mother walks in uh, and there's a Loris Carius walking across to the fans looking oh, very sad. Looking with uh, real tears in his eyes. And my mum says, what's wrong with him? And I said, oh, he's just had an absolute nightmare. He's made two big gaffes. And she said... I'd make him feel better, poor lad. Wow! So you good know, work, Kyle's mum. And there. that's what I'm not just saying. It's for the mums. It's for the women. It's for the men. It's for anyone. There's a lot of attractive men in this tournament, and they're yeah. going to be very competitive. Just appreciating male beauty. What's the final one, John? Moscow Mule, uh, a cocktail, but also it, uh, for the benefit of the Absolute Worldy podcast, is a description of players that we think may have a shocker. Um, I've, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I like nothing more than when someone goes to a World Cup. It's the pinnacle of their career. It is the thing that they've been waiting for since they were three years old and first kicked a ball in anguish. And what do they do? They muck it all up. They have an absolute shocker. Cannot wait. Yes, cannot wait. It's the best bit. Let's be honest. No one cares if people win. We just want people to muck up. So, all of that being said, those are, your, those are your categories. Putin's Pravda Points, Russian Roulette, Hot to Trotsky and the Moscow Mule. So we have split each group into two and we are taking two teams each from each group to explain to you guys. Um, let's get ahead of it. Yeah, we should definitely get ahead of it. So, uh, let's kick things off, as I say, to please Vlad with Russia, a.k.a., and this is genuinely the Russian national team's nickname, the national team. Good. That is, I mean, I'm probably sure it sounds more impressive in Russian. Do it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do a Russian accent, and I don't speak Russian. So oh, I didn't mean do it in a Russian accent, I meant do it in Russian, but oh, you right. don't speak that. I don't speak Russian, no. Jeez. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to be, I don't know, I was going to make a terrible gag. So, let's, let's kick off with Putin's Pravda points. Okay. Um, and I know this was, as we said, something that might make you excited to talk about in the pub, something you might want to bring up, or maybe even something that might make you support the team. Ah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, it would be nice. Um, although, having said that, I'm going to flip that right on its head and uh, address the giant homophobic elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. There's its uh, trunk. There's its trunk. Coming, swooping on it. <laughs> From Moscow with love. Um, yeah, so uh, LGBT rights in Russia are under threat, right? We all know this. Uh, we all know there's a real problem with homophobia in Russia during those small parts of the now infamous 2013 Russian federal law for the purpose of protecting children from information advocating for a denial of traditional family values. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. I'm sure it's even more of a mouthful in Russian, but as we've established... Stop ragging on the Russian language. I'm not ragging the Russian language. I don't speak it. Just because they speak a different language doesn't mean that that's not the reason they're homophobic. That's not the reason they're homophobic. It's governmental procedure. It is governmental procedure. So these anti-gay Russian laws, Kyle, that prohibit what they call propaganda that promotes gay values, uh, in practice have led to an alarming rise in homophobic attitudes and attacks in the country. And in fact, in response to this discrimination against LGBT people in Russia, a number of petitions have been circulated calling for FIFA to strip Russia of hosting rights. Did you sign... Any of those? I was meaning to, but things got away from me. Things got away from you. That so, makes you sound like I'm supportive. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I, 
I would have signed it if it had come up in an email. I, I signed one. It. I well, signed well done one. you. Joel. I signed one saying that we shouldn't be taking uh, global sporting events to countries with bad human and rights. How did records. it do the petition? Not well, Kyle. Uh, not well. Even despite the fact that United States senators, not normally known for their positive approach to gay rights, signed it. I'm sure Pence didn't. I don't think he did. No, I don't. Certainly didn't. In fact, although gay rights activists like Greg Luganis. George Takai, who was solo in Star Wars, and Stephen Fry signed it. Good. He'll hopefully be boycotting, I'd have thought, even though he's a big football fan, Stephen Fry. Could he go and, like, dissent, be a dissenting voice? I'd, I'd prefer to have him there. What, as a, as a kind of quiet dissenter? I think he's probably just going to boycott. I guess that, like, begs the question, what's more effective, dissenting voices present or boycotting? Yeah, that's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that. And we perhaps- could ask Stephen. We could ask Stephen, or perhaps when you bring up this Putin Pravda point about LGBT rights in Russia in the pub, people can decide for themselves. I think this is a good discussion to have when yeah, the game is kick it in off. the Although, first 20 minutes. I, I, would say, yeah, I would say, though, if you are going to support Russia uh, in the World Cup, perhaps that's, uh, that's totally your choice. Perhaps you should do so whilst wearing a rainbow flag and raising a cup of vodka in your chosen gay bar to the success of the national team. Um, okay. That does lead us neatly on, I think. Uh, I'm going to go out of order straight away. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, if we're going to talk about gay We've bars... We've lost the listeners already. I know. If we're going to talk about gay bars, though, don't you think we should be re- addressing the Hot to Trotsky uh, element of our categories? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, let me tell you about Roman Zobnin. Roman Zobnin? Roman Zobnin. I've not heard of him. Oh, well, you're about to. And you're about to wish you'd heard more about him. Okay. Uh, he's a 24-year-old central midfielder who plays for Spartak Moscow. Now, he probably won't start, but he'll be warming the bench with his chiselled and, frankly, Romanesque good looks. Uh, so, so what well, we haven't told you is that we don't know each other's research for the groups here. So Joel is now swiftly showing me a picture of Roman Zobnin. Oh, yay! You know what? He's not without his charm. What would, you, his charm. What would you... I would say he's got... The boyish good looks of maybe a Jonas, Ooh, a Jonas, <laughs> a Jonas, brother. a Jonas brother, crossed with someone with frankly extraordinary chin. Yeah, great, like good jaw, like quite kind of like. I mean, look at him there. Like dark eyes. This is great radio. I Perfect. Uh, you mean you? You know, we live in an age where you can instantly look him up too. Yeah. So why don't you do that? Zobnin, get 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 a, get a load of Zobnin, Danya. Yeah, um, young ooh, lad. I'd say don't. Yeah, no, let's move on. Uh, so uh, that's that's uh, our hot Trotsky uh, section. Going back to the categories, though, Russian roulette, Kyle, Fedor Smolov. I've heard of him. You heard of Fedor Smolov? Yeah. He's had a great season. He scored 14 goals for Krasnodar in the Russian Premier League. Uh, and there's something, uh, for those of you who remember the Spurs signing Roman Pavlichenko about him, in that... Mullet? A uh, little bit. He's, he's not... Uh, he's a bit mulletty, yeah. He's also not got a lot of pace. He's not got a lot of skill, but he does sort of bang the goals in. Like a number eight central midfielder, sort of. Yeah, but playing up front. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, what's going to happen is he'll have a good couple of games, maybe score a goal in the opening game against Saudi Arabia, and then get snapped up by Fulham or Cardiff, score no goals as they get relegated next season. Controversial opinion. Um, or maybe even a championship team will come in for him. Uh, frankly, his last trip outside of Russia was not that impressive, with Feyenoord in Holland, where he scored once in 11 games. He played only 11 games. He played 11 games and went consistently back on loan to Russia. <laughs> wow, he missed it. <laughs> he missed it. He missed it. I mean, Fedor. Fedor, I think he's going to have a great World Cup and he's going to get signed. Um, it doesn't necessarily bode well, though, that he only scored once in 11 games the last time he was outside of Russia. Certainly not. Uh, do you want to hear about my Moscow mule? For uh, I certainly do. For, uh, for, for the national team. Um, it's, it's Igor Akinfiev. Oh. Poor Igor. 
He I, thought Akinfiev has just got such a bad reputation at international <laughs> and continental level. I should explain that Igor Akinfiev is the goalkeeper who quite infamously did not keep a Champions League clean sheet for 43 games. That is a lot of games. Could you do the maths? 43 times 90? I can't. I mean, if the, let's say that his team never get out of the group in the Champions League, so that's six games. So that's over eight years. Yeah. That's a long time not to uh, yes. keep a clean sheet. Bless him. Um, he did break that duck this season. They kept a clean sheet this year, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, although, having said that, he is the number one goalkeeper for the national team at a World Cup where they are far from fancied and haven't been playing very well. I worry for his abilities not to be Russia's Moscow mule. <laughs> So that's Russia in that group. Uh, let's let's move on to a different team, shall we? In Group A, let's do. Well, who are Russia playing in the opening game? They are playing Saudi Arabia. Okay, let's uh, do Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, the Green Falcons, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, best nickname in the tournament. I mean, I've never seen a Green Falcon. No, neither have I. Are they called the Green Falcons because I mean, this is ignorance on my behalf, lack of research. They weren't my team to look up. Are there such things as green falcons, or are they like falcons that have been given a green hood? <laughs> They've just been painted. Like the, there's green parrots in Saudi London. Arabia, often, often painting green falcons. Green falcons, great um, name. So the green falcons. Now uh, they're not really fancied to do that well uh, in Russia. Let's be honest. Uh, and their current squad all play in Saudi Arabia, so they're a bit of an unknown quantity, uh, especially if, like me, you've never been to Saudi Arabia. Um, they also slightly come under the heading of dubious political human rights record, along with Russia. Great start on this podcast that we're talking about two teams. <laughs> I think it's a great grudge match it's between huge. human rights violation yeah. derby. Who hates gay people more? Russia or Saudi Arabia? We'll find out. We'll find out. It will be decided by the result <laughs> in the first game. <laughs> um, so let me tell you some Putin Pravda points. About, yeah, please. I'm uh, desperate about... to know more about this. Because as you said, I don't know any of their players. No. So here's the thing. Uh, uh, my Putin Pravda points, a lot of them are going to lead you to want to support the team that I'm talking about. Well, if I'm watching them, I may as well want to, you know, feel for them and, and, and you know, G them on. Exactly. Them up. So here is, here, is, here is a reason to support Saudi Arabia. And it is that in the last six months, they have been the second globally. They've come second globally in the number of tweets about the World Cup. Globally. I wonder what the population of Saudi Arabia is in I, comparison to somewhere like Brazil or That is the kind of information that if I had really thought about it, I could have told you. But I imagine it's lower. I, I would have thought so. I would have thought there's not that many people in Saudi Arabia compared to, I don't know, Brazil. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they've come second. According to a study conducted by Twitter, which makes it slightly dubious, 97% um, of Saudi Twitter users have showed excitement about the World Cup. Uh, 43% are planning to watch every single game and 92% will be tweeting their thoughts. That's what they say anyway. So perhaps it's quite a patronising reason to support them, especially as I'm basically saying, you could go on Twitter. Well, if, you're, if you are a Twitterer, and yeah. I have to admit I'm not the most proficient, you, I can't even get the search bar to work. <laughs> so yes, if you, if you like Twitter, then I, I guess that you, there'll be a lot of traction there for you to, to yeah, get excited absolutely. about Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you could, the fact is, you could tweet 97% of all Saudi Arabian Twitter users and get a response about the World Cup. Hashtag World Cup hashtag, Saudi. Hashtag World Cup Saudi. And in fact, on top of that, if you haven't seen the announcement video of their squad, which is uh, on their official English language Twitter account, you have to watch it. It is brilliant. 
Every player uh, is described as uh, having uh, made it uh, to the team, and they use music, which is, I genuinely promise you, based on Chumbawamba's Tub Thumper, which is, you know, I get knocked down. But I get up again. In a, what in like a sound like just a, a remix or like it's a, re- a remix. So you would you have to know that it's there, especially the oh Danny boy that bit. Maybe it was a big hit in Saudi Arabia. I, yeah, but it's about drinking, which is not an option in Saudi oh Arabia. God, you take a whiskey drink, you take the a light drink. drink. Yeah, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not in Saudi Arabia. Only in a hotel room <laughs> when no one knows that you have it. So yeah, that's my uh, 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 Putin Pravda point about Saudi Arabia, mostly social media based, which is unusual, seeing as you and I are not social media types. Can we just take a moment actually to to talk about this trend of World Cup team video announcements? Have you all seen the England one? You need to look this out if you've not seen it. Someone has come up with the idea at the FA of asking a bunch of children from the same towns as each England player that was announced to basically stand in a park or an urban space and get all aggressive and shout. Have you seen it, John? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Absolutely. So mad. it's amazing. Like it, if as early thirty somethings ourselves, I mean, really early. Like I'm thirty one. Joel's the same. Um, it makes you feel old. These kids are like fifteen to sixteen, seventeen, and they're all like shouting, "Joe with body." And uh, he's actually from Sheffield, so it's more like "Joe with body, body Sheffield," and they're all really aggressive and like. I guess to like an older person, maybe even people of our own age, that just confirms that the youth of today are horrible, aggressive people, which yeah. I think is disgusting. The, the wrong sort of thing to... Put in stark contrast with the Saudi Arabian announcement video, in which at one point, uh, somebody is coming around from a general anaesthetic and they very sleepily come round. What? This is absolutely true. They very sleepily come round for the general anaesthetic and the doctor is looking down at them and the doctor lowers their mask and in Arabic, obviously, says that one of the players has made it. Well, that's the first thing they hear when they come around I, I would be so happy to know that. That would be the first thing on my mind. <laughs> I mean, that's what I often wake up for general anaesthetics thinking. I've got a question about it because I've not seen it. Right. Are there any women in it? There are. Good. There are. Considering, again, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, not the, the number one human rights uh experts shall we say yeah. and definitely not the number one women's rights experts there are there are there are women teachers in it and women business women good yeah so yeah. progress good i like it in the battle of the evil between russia and saudi arabia and chumbawamba and chumbawamba sorry john let's go back to to the points so russian roulette why not that one well there's only one choice here Carl. it's a very obvious one and it is salem al dalsari sorry Al Dalsari, uh, who spent some of last season on loan at Villarreal in Spain as part of the controversial deal between the Saudi and Spanish football federations that saw nine Saudi footballers loaned to various clubs in Spain. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a bizarre deal. Uh, They made a deal and basically clubs in Spain could say if they wanted Saudi players. And of course, they all jumped at the chance. They jumped at the chance. Anyway, so he went to Villarreal. He played once. Wow. Yep. He came on as a substitute while Villarreal were down 2-0 to Real Madrid. Good. Villarreal went on to draw 2-2. Oh, wow! Yeah, so if, if Salam Aldassari can do it against Ronaldo and everyone else, he can do it in England, right? He's a lucky charm. He's a lucky charm. So if he has half a good game, you could see him getting snapped up by... Someone who wants some Saudi money. Saudi money, exactly. Cardiff? No, oh. mm, Warnock wouldn't accept it. No, but I could see maybe a championship team wanting some Saudi... A West Brom. Forest? Oh, Forest. Forest would love Salam Aldassari. So that's my Russian roulette pick for the Saudis. Great. Hot to Trotsky? Ah, hot to Trotsky. It's got to be Mansour Al-Harbi and his thousand-yard stare. 
Uh, there's another one with a very sharp jawline. He's a left back. He's played over a hundred times for his club side Al Ahly. Do you want to see a picture of him? Yeah, I do. There he is. Look at that. Oh, he is handsome. Look at his stare, though. Yeah, he's he's committed. He's really committed. To no, staring. but he's a, he's a good looking lad. He's a good looking lad. He's a he's yeah he's a he's a handsome chap. But again, quite sharp features. Both of my first uh, Hot to is quite sharp on the eye. And also, I have to say, quite young looking. Well, he's 30, so let's not, you know... Well, he doesn't look it, let's, let's not, Yeah, let's not judge. So if you want to see what uh, Mansour al-Harbi looks like, I, I, I recommend a little Google. Uh, and finally, Moscow Mule. So this is a tricky one, as they haven't actually won a single match at a World Cup since 1994. Oh, but they have won a match. Uh, not a World Cup. Not in a group stage of a World Cup since 1994. But they have won. I thought they'd never won a single match. Oh, they've won matches before that. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but considering they went through three different managers in a three-month period at the back end of last year, mm. um, I've made their Moscow mule, former Spain striker Juan Antonio Pizzi, who is the uh, manager of the team. Nice. I think you can pretty much guarantee that by the end of this World Cup, uh, Pizzi, Pizzi, Pizzi will not be the manager of Saudi Arabia. Before the end of the tournament? That's no, 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 not before the end, by the end. I would love to see a new trend of sacking during tournaments oh from international God, managers. Could you imagine? Amazing. Could you imagine if Southgate got sacked after two games and <laughs> then they so brought good. in Pardew? <laughs> or, or brought back Allardyce. Oh, as like a caretaker for one game. For the Belgium game, and he like <laughs> he like had a masterminded nil-nil. <laughs> So now for the second pairing of teams in Group A, mm. we have Egypt and Uruguay. Uruguay? Representing Africa and South America. That is where in they're that from. order. That's where they're from. So we're going to start with Egypt. <laughs> Uh, known as the pharaohs. Of course they are, in a completely uh, non-racist and self-determined way, I should quickly point out. Uh, I didn't call them the pharaohs. No, exactly. I would call them the pyramids. <laughs> because they still have pyramids, but they don't have pharaohs. Well, just because I think that's... I don't know, they're pretty solid. They don't really move very well. No, I don't think... Pyramids doesn't imply like a sort of fluidity of football. You wouldn't be like, Mohammed Salah, that guy is a pyramid. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> That was short-sighted. I'll go with <laughs> the scarabs. The scarabs would be a... I prefer the scarabs. If, like, Egypt were a team that were really industrious and, like, swarmed all over you and oh. the high press, then I think scarabs would be good. Great. I'm just thinking of that bit in the mummy film where someone yep. dies that's by lit- scarab eating. That's, I think that's Omid Jalili. No. No, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a skinny guy called Benny. Oh, what he gets film? locked. Remember, he gets locked in the thing at the end, and yeah. there's like oh, scarabs everywhere. Is it is it racist that we went straight from talking about Egypt to talking about the mummy? They are from Egypt. That's true. It's like saying it was racist to talk about the Queen if you're talking about England. Oh, Wouldn't be racist, would it? No. Okay. Can we get on with my Putin Pravda point? You can get on with your Putin Pravda point. Okay. So this uh, Egyptian side contain the oldest player at the tournament. Ah, yes. They have a goalkeeper who probably won't play. He'll probably be on the on the backup list. Uh, he'll, he's in the squad. His name is Essam Al-Khadari and he is 45 years old. 45? There's hope for us all. That is. Oh, it makes Buffon look like a 40 puppy. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I mean, 
At 45, as a goalkeeper, you just need to keep slim. Yeah, pretty much. Just keep jumping. That's, keep I'm pretty sure, skipping. That's, pretty sure that's all they do as a warm-up. Uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's 45. And actually, the, he, is only, he is one of four players in the tournament born in the 1970s. Oh, gosh. Are you going to ask me to name the other three? Nope. Thank God. Let's move I on. Can't. Um, another uh, Putin Pravda point for you guys is that the... Cairo Derby is uh, the, one of the biggest derbies in the world between El Ali, who Joe already mentioned, and El Zamalek. Um, and it's hugely contested. And those two teams are the biggest two teams in Egypt. And it's kind of like a Barcelona Real Madrid thing. Even if you support another team, everyone tends to pick sides between those two. Uh, Whose side are you on? I am probably on the side of El Ali because of this. In 2012, when El Ali were playing another team called El Masri, there was a huge riot which ended up with what they call the Port Said uh, disaster where 74 fans died and 500 were injured uh, after the opposing sets of fans rioted and the police decided to close the stadium gates leaving hundreds of spectators prone to crushing and attack. Like an Egyptian Hillsborough. Kind of, but like that was just um, sort of, I guess it was still police negligence Mm. and active police choices that led to the deaths but that wasn't fan on fan this was almost like the police were like oh well, we're just going to lock this gate and wash our hands of this oh my god uh, yep as a result the Egyptian National Football Authority suspended the domestic league for two years jeez which you just cannot imagine happening in England no never no, no. Uh, this obviously affected the national team's attempts to qualify for the 2014 World Cup they never made it yep. uh, so this in a way is this group of players chance to kind of overcome that oh it's tragedy. redemption sort of yeah I mean that is a reason to support Egypt if I've ever heard one yeah and I think that that would be a nice thing to bring up in a, an Egyptian game I mean you've, you've converted me to being a fan of the pharaohs with that one point frankly. not the pyramids not the pyramids. I'm not a fan of the pyramids. They don't move enough. I'm going to move on to Russian roulette, Joel. Do it. Russian roulette me up. So, people... If I was to say to you, for example, name me one Egyptian player, who would you say? Mohamed Salah. And name me who, what team he plays for. Liverpool. So, yes. I'll come up to him again later, but people tend to think of him as the only Egyptian player in England. I think I can name one more. There are seven. No! Total. No, there are Seven... Egyptian players play in the English leagues and all of those seven players have been picked for the squad. They are obviously Salah and another one in the Premier League is Arsenal's Mohamed Elneny. Yes. Uh, Two just got relegated. In fact, three just got relegated from the Premier League. That doesn't bode well for Egyptian chances. It does not. Two uh, played frequently. One was Hagazi at West Brom and Ramadan Sobi, well, I say frequently, featured for Stoke. Another player called Gabir was actually on West Brom's books, didn't really play much. Uh, and then in the championship, there's one, uh, Ahmed Al-Hamadi. Of course. Of Aston Villa. I forgot he was Egyptian. And my favourite of all of these in League One, the Wigan captain, Sam Morsi, Wolverhampton-born, is an Egyptian national. No way. Yep. So is he your Russian roulette? He is not my Russian roulette. <laughs> my Russian roulette is going to be Higazi. Higazi. Higazi... But he played so badly in the Premier League last season. He did, but he still seemed to impress because he's quite a big lad. He's passionate. It's hard to miss. He, uh, he's the sort of player that will get a, a, a cut on the head, Terry Butcher style, and just play on. Yeah. And a lot of English managers respect that sort of blind... It's classic pharaoh behaviour, really. Yeah, exactly. Rap- what? Wrapping things around your head? <laughs> That's a mummy joke oh, again. No, I'm sorry, I mucked it up. 
<laughs> so yes, I think Hagazi, if he has a good tournament, if he shouts a lot, if he makes a couple of last-ditch tackles, I can see him return to the Premier League or maybe even Italy. But if we actually look at his performances for West Brom, as you said, they did go down. Yes, true. Uh, so, uh, thinking of going down, uh, what to Trotsky? Why is it all... like? <laughs> I feel like you're still perpetuating certain things I about am. I am. male on male I love. I anyway. about LGBT for too long. Sorry. Okay, right. I've gone for a player called Ayman Ashraf. He is a left-back for al uh, And he. I'm just going to show Joel a picture of Let's him have a look. right now. Ayman, let me have a look. Here he is. Ayman. So what do you think? I, he looks... He, who does he look like? I, I don't know. I feel like he looks a bit like the sort of... I mean, this is awful Hollywood stereotyping yeah. but he is the sort of man if you watch Homeland which will be the young the young dissident who's having second night, second yes. thoughts but is who gets turned by the CIA yeah, 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 but, yeah. but they still use him yeah. he's still a that's porn his, that's his and he ends up dead and you know he's got a six pack like hidden away there he's got a, basically guys he's got a sultry pal a piercing gaze he's got a top lid and a light beard he has got a top lid so look out for Ashraf Look him up. Uh, and do you want to hear my Moscow Mule? Yeah, I'm excited for this one because I have, I have a feeling I know what's coming. Okay, my Moscow Mule, my player who I think is going to let down How the nation. How many shoulders does he have? Not as many as he had a month ago. <laughs> it's Mohamed Salah. <laughs> I think, sadly, that the World Cup has come too soon for Mo. Oh, no. I don't no. think I need to go into for the listeners about his rise, do I? I'll, brief, I'll, I'll briefly say he scored 32 goals in 38 games for Liverpool this season, which is a record-breaking uh, tally for a 38-game season in the Premier League. And this came after him appearing at Chelsea three years ago and barely playing. He came back to Liverpool for a big money, lots of question marks. Those question marks have been blown way off the page. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are he, no question marks on the page anymore. <laughs> and then he played in the Champions League final. Everyone was expecting him to grab it by the scruff of the neck. Ramos grabbed him by the scruff, scruff of the, the neck, neck and did. nearly broke his he arm. wrestled him to the ground and dislocated uh, his shoulder. Cue a tearful Salah being substituted after It was genuinely minutes. emotional, actually. I, I, think I felt more it. emotion, I mean, thinking about your mum, I felt more emotion for him than I did for Loris Carius. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I definitely did. I felt really sorry for him. Um, so, yes, chances of him playing at 100% are not good. He's being rushed back to full fitness there's lots of positive noises from the Egypt camp and from the Liverpool camp saying he's going to be fine but I can just see him being substituted again early maybe oh, in the first game horrible and if that happens I feel like more Egyptian tears are going to going to flow as yeah. they exit the group crying pharaohs about the last uh, team in Group A, shall we? The Uruguayans. Okay, so the Uruguayans are called La Celeste, which roughly translates as the Sky Blue. The Sky Blues. Which I think is a nicer word for Sky Blue, Celeste Blue. Yeah, Celeste Blue. Why not? Let's start bringing it into parlance in England. I will start referring to all football teams that wear Sky Blue jerseys as the Celeste. Celeste Sky. Celeste Sky. Isn't that nice? So here's my Putin... (laughs) uh, Is the opposite of a Celeste Sky a Daphne Sky? Daphne, yes. Right, good. Good. Glad we got that pun in. 
Um, it's not okay. really a pun. Putin Pravda point, John. Yeah, tell me. Did you know three of Uruguay's top five goal scorers of all time are in this current squad? I did not know that. Can you name them for me? Of all time, Edinson Cavani. Mm-hmm. Luis Suarez. Correct. That's two out of three. Oh, God. I bet Forlan's not going. Um, oh, right. No, I'll tell you. Yeah. It's Christian Rodriguez. Is it? You won't recognise him by name, but I guarantee you see his face and you'll remember him from tournaments past, but he is a long way behind the other two. Sure. Okay. Suarez is on 49, I believe. Cavani, I think, 42. That is a lot of goals at international level. Yep. It is. Um, another... Putin Pravda point for you regarding Uruguay. Uruguay has got three and a half million people that in its is a population. Small country. Brazil has over three million registered footballers alone. That is a. I'm, I mean, I almost want to stand up and applaud that Putin Pravda point. Don't stand up because it will really affect the mic. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. But that is amazing. And guess which team has more Copa Americas? No, come on. Uruguay. That is that surely then like makes them per per person the most successful international think, football team. I think they are. They've also got World Cups. They have, I think, two World Cups. Wow. Yeah, they they are. They see themselves and they're very fiercely um, patriotic about the football team, as we all know. Yeah. As we'll probably find out later, um, and for good reason. I'm just saying, if you're in the pub and you hate football and Uruguay are on the telly, I mean, that's your team, right? Yeah. Three million people when there are more more registered footballers in Brazil than there are people in Uruguay. I mean, Almost. that's insane. Support Uruguay. I mean, well, you've con- you convert... Wait, I'm, I'm leaving the Egyptians. I'm converted to the Uruguayans. Maybe you'll go back in a bit. <laughs> uh, one final uh, Putin Pravda point. Yes. Yeah. 13 of the 16 teams in the top domestic league in Uruguay are based in Montevideo. Right. Which means you get a lot of derbies. And that oh, got me yeah. thinking, Joel. What are some Montevideo derby-based puns? Montevideo derby-based yeah. puns. Do I need to know the actual No, I'm, I just thought the one that came to my mind was straight to video, <laughs> straight to Montevideo derby. Okay, maybe we'll cut this. Uh, I'm going to move straight on to, to Russian roulette. <laughs> so this is the player I think might stand a chance at a big move. Uh, his name is Diego Lakshad. Mm, never heard of him. He is an attacking midfielder that plays for Genoa. Mm. He will no doubt catch the eye, Joel, due to his braids, which are always a strong choice for a white man. <laughs> oh, I can see him doing very well in the Premier League. Just think David Beckham about eight to ten oh, years ago, but much no, longer. The sort of no. ones that like, kind of like jump about on the back of your neck. Oh, Diego, why? If his hair is matched by his flair... <laughs> Then at 25, Russia could be a platform to bigger clubs. Lazio are reportedly interested early in the summer, but maybe he could be looking away from Italy. Maybe. Hot to Trotsky? Tell me. It's a man, a man mountain called Martin Caceres. Oh, I know him. He is, yep. he's a sexy man. His main assets include his bulking frame, but also his luscious locks. Take a look at those, Joel. I, honestly, I cannot tell you how long this man's hair is for a footballer. It is, it is extreme. I mean, he's got, a, in this photo that Carl is just showing me, he has got a hairband around his wrist, but it also looks like he's running with his hair flowing behind. He's got a sort of uh, Heathcliffian running on a hilltop kind of vibe. And what I respect him for, big kudos, is that he always ties it in a classic ponytail. No classic, top knot. Yeah, no he's, top not, knot. he's not a, a kind of fad man. No, he's not one of those top knot geezers. He Honestly. is a ponytail man. He looks like a, he's like a black-maned stallion. Yeah, just, that's his vibe. 
it's Definitely. wonderful. Um, my Moscow Mule. I'm excited for this one because I, Uruguay, I think, are a, an outside tip. So I'm wondering who you've who you've chosen as a as someone who might have a bad tournament. Well, it might not be that he's going to have a bad tournament in terms of performance, but it might be that there is an incident that casts him as the villain. I think you know who I'm going to say. I'm pretty sure. Could it be three strikes and out oh, for Luis Suarez? That would be narrative brilliant. So for the listeners who don't know, Luis Suarez has a history, a checkered history of Mr. Menes on international and national, uh, sorry, international and domestic level. Uh, in 2010 World Cup, in the last minute of the quarterfinals against Ghana, he handballed a goal off the line, got sent off, and the striker, again, the Ghana striker, Asamoah Gyan, Asamoah Gyan, missed the penalty and the game went into extra time. Cue Suarez in tears on the touchline, watching him miss the penalty and then celebrate the penalty miss like he'd just won the World Cup, even though he'd just stopped a team from quite honestly deserving to go through. Yeah. By cheating. He cheated. Uh, Then let's jump forward to 2014 World Cup. I would say probably his best moment in football. I mean, so he bit... Chiellini, the Italian just defender. Say that, just say that one more time in case people missed that. He bit him. Yeah. And do you know what? That wouldn't, wasn't even shocking to the football fan because he had already had <laughs> two previous accounts of biting. One <laughs> when playing for Ajax against a player called Otman Bakal and one when playing for Liverpool against Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. All three of them were seemingly missed in the game. No red card was given. Extraordinary. Uh, at the World Cup, the third time he'd done this in 2014... He wasn't even given a yellow because he went down holding his teeth like he had been injured (laughs) and when interviewed about it after the game and still to this day professes his innocence by saying he collided with the shoulder of Chiellini and the next thing he knew that he had a severe pain in his top lip and his teeth. There were bite marks on Chiellini. He tried to show them to the referee. One of Uruguayan, uh, one of the teammates of Suarez tried to pull the shirt back up. Great. Suarez, yes, uh, right. other players, I think the captain, Diego Godin, was, was it, I don't want to actually cast aspersions on Godin, maybe it wasn't him, but a teammate of Suarez afterwards was heard to exclaim to a press, that was obviously for there from before the game. Obviously, because that's what the Italians do in the dressing room, right? They just bite each other in preparation for lying about somebody else, biting someone. And, as I said, Suarez got away with it, but also his team progressed. Yeah. Italy went out and Uruguay went forward. So so your Moscow mule is three strikes and you're out for Suarez. He, well, might, he might do something equally as brilliant again. Well, he he's seems... Gonna, I think that might be biting off more than he could chew. Oh, <laughs> I think that he seems a bit more of like a calmed tempest these days, but in a deciding final group game or a knockout match with the pressure ramped, you wouldn't bet against him doing something. Is there their last game something. against? Is their last game in the group against Russia as well? I'm not sure. Oh, That's the sort of research that one of us should have done. Yeah. I mean, could he get away with it for a third time, Joel? Could he? Could he? No. I'm going to say probably <laughs> Probably yes. yes. It's FIFA. Uh, so that is Group A. Amazing. All four teams in Group A and all of our categories discussed. Kickball with football, yeah. So that was Group A. It was indeed. And it only took us 40 minutes. 40 minutes. I think we should wrap up there. Yes, And we can make a promise to you, absolute worldly listeners, the next group one will be a lot shorter. Well, let's not necessarily (laughs) make a promise. Promise. Okay, it's a We'll be getting ahead of Group B next time. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.
The Absolute Worldly Podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. Our theme tune is courtesy of Adam Janotowazowski. All other music is non-copyright and licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you again for listening, and do stay tuned for a small taste of what's to come in our next episode. That's Carl's phone going off there. Good. Sorry, I'm that's just right. a, I, I'm getting lots of messages. I just got engaged. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's now on the podcast. That was where Joel could have said, Congratulations! Congratulations. <laughs> Kickball.